Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hands all over the building? Lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. Holy Spirit, we need you. Because outside of your presence, we're just having karaoke church today. But in your presence, God, everything changes. We can walk in one way and leave better. Because when people got around you, when people got near you, they were transformed. So God, what my prayer is for the church today is that there's a residue that's left on us. That when we go out, we would be contagious. That our praise, our worship would be contagious to people that are far from you. God, I pray today that we would have an opportunity before we get nestled in on our couch and take a nap. I pray, God, that you would draw people to us like moths to a flame. Not because we're wearing a shirt that says spirit instead of sprite, but because they see Jesus on us. So, God, today we give you a shout of praise and we give you all the gratitude in the name of Jesus. Come on, give him a shout of praise, a heart of gratitude. High five three people real quick. High five, high five. Awesome. And y'all can be seated. Listen, we had a blast the first service. If you uh, did not make the first service or you were serving, we're grateful that you are here at part of the second service. But listen, you have no excuses. Y'all got to sleep in. You drank coffee, and you came to the second service. So you've got a lot to live up to, though, because the first service, they were rowdy. It was a good morning. And so you all have, listen, you got to, everybody look, say, say this with me. I got to step it up. Come on, I got to step it up. I do want to clear up a little uh, elephant that's in the room. These are skinny jeans. <laughs> Some of you are like, are those yoga pants? My God, what's, these are not yoga pants. They're pajama jeans, <laughs> okay, like. Stop it. The style maybe has not quite gotten to Rosenberg. Listen, my pastor says that if honor is in you, it comes out of you. You can't fake honor. I just want to honor Pastor Jim, Pastor Phyllis for just amazing. I look around this room, and sometimes you get tunnel vision when you're in the middle of something. And I look around this room. I, I, I preach and lead worship all over the country. We used to be out 220 days a year. We were in 170 to 180 churches a year. Uh, I've cut back. I'm about 90, 95 churches now. And what you have and what God is doing here is not normal, just so you know. Uh, thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. Because I, I struggle when I go to churches and it's just all one color. Like, I like a church that looks like heaven, and that's what your church looks like. Multi-generational, multicultural. Now, back at my church, Anthem of Hope, we just wrapped up a morning service. My wife preached there. She's amazing. Like, she texted me and said, you better bring it next week or they're going to vote you out. Like, what is that? She's like, she got like a standing O, like they loved her. But we have a very multicultural church, so I'm used to crowd response. Like, if you're quiet and reserved, I, I don't know how to do, I don't know what to do with it. At my product table afterwards, if you're too quiet... I start watching you, and then if you have a kid, I give them a kitten and a Red Bull, like at the end. So you better be, I need response. Like, that's good, white boy. Whatever you need to yell back, I need response because I have that back home. I've got a lady in my church I told the first service. Her name is Miss Carolyn, and she showed up to our church by accident. See, I knew she came on purpose, for a purpose, but she showed up because somebody invited her to a church that had met there previous, like 10 years before. So she walked in, and she was like, mm-mm. And I said, can I help you? And she said, I got the wrong church. And I said, well, how do you know? She said, because your name ain't this card's name. And I was like, take it easy. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And she's like, huh? And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't. And so I asked her, I said, well, listen, 
why don't you stay this week? And she said, no, thank you. And she started packing up, and she was walking out. Man, I felt the Lord just rise up in me. I said, Miss Carolyn. She turned around and I said, I prayed you in. She said, you did. And I said, yes. Like, I was a little unsettled. I'm like, And I said, no, I need you here because there's too many white people in my church. I need you here. I need a church that looks like heaven. So stay one week. She said, all right, baby, I'll stay one week. And she calls me bishop, which is just fun. And so she came, loved it, and then never came back. And I was devastated. The next week, I was trying to preach, and I'm looking at people. I'm like, can't you just respond? Where's Miss Carolyn? The third week, she showed up, and she told me, she said, Pastor Daniel, you said something two weeks ago. Psalms 92.13 says that blessed is the man or woman who's planted in the house of the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the courts of our God. She said, you said a statement that deep roots produce healthy fruit. This is where I'm called. I said, well, welcome home. She said, I am home. I said, well, welcome home. Make it your house. She's like, it is my house. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and so I called my graphics guy, and I said, I need you to paint all the way down this wall, 40 feet long, four foot tall. I need you to write, paint, welcome home on that wall. So everybody who walks in our building no matter where they're at, no matter how much money they do or don't have, no matter what kind of uh, generation, uh, wherever they came from, whatever their culture is, I want them to show up and feel like they were, uh, that they found home. And so she came. She has brought so much culture and so much change to our church. And I told the first services, I said, there was a guy who came up to me. And, you know, I can just tell sometimes when people have, like, loaded questions. And I try to avoid him a little bit. Like, I saw him come in. I was like, <laughs> and Marco Polo. And so he said, he said to me, he goes, uh, Pastor, I have a bone to pick with you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're allowing that one lady. And I said, who? And he goes, that one lady on the second row. I think her name's Carolyn. And I tried to play dumb. I'm like, I don't who? Like, Carolyn? And he's like, she's just so loud. I think people call her charismatic. And I said, okay. And he said, she's all like, that's good. You know that's right. Like she says, they like. And Miss Carolyn, she'll finish my sentences for me. Like I'll say, you know, the Bible says in Psalms 23, 6, she's like, the goodness and the mercy. And I'm like, I don't need your help. I don't need your help. But I need, I need it. So he's like, she's just so charismatic. And he's like, I try to sit all the way on the other side of the room when she's in worship because she's singing and, oh, God, ah, and she's singing. He said, I just can't handle that. It's a big, massive distraction. And man, I felt my blood pressure rising. And I said, well, hey, let me ask you a question. I mean, you've got a bone to pick with me because I haven't said something to her. Have you ever asked her why she worships the way she worships? Have you ever asked her what her story is? Because I guarantee you, if you find out what her story is and why she praises the way she praises, you won't complain anymore. And he's like, he's like, well, I'll go ahead and have to do that. Then and he walked over with his cargo pants. And, and so he goes over and he says to her, Miss Carolyn, can I talk to you? And she said, mm-hmm. And, he, and he's like, why are you so like... Kara, and I think he said Kara's mania or something. And she thought, what did you, th like, I thought she was going to cut him. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> don't hurt him, Miss Carolyn. And, and he, she, he said, well, I just don't understand why you're so charismatic. And, and I'm telling you, tears started rising up in her eyes. And she said, baby, because I know what I've been delivered from. I know that I never should have made it. I know that I never could have made it if it wasn't for his keeping power. So I respond out of a heart of gratitude. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 100 verse 4, to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, to enter his courts with praise. Now listen, sometimes people blame it on their personality. Like, oh, well, I don't shout because that's not my personality. But you'll paint your face 
like a maniac and shout for your favorite football team. And don't act like it's not true. Your wife knows it. But when we get in the house of God, sometimes, well, I'm not going to, I'm too dignified. David said, I'll become even more undignified than this. See, I can't help but praise. I can't help but shout. I can't help but respond either where you're at or where I'm at up here leading someone. I can't help but reflect a heart of gratitude because I know what I've been set free from. See, my dad was a drug dealer. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad beat my mom and was violent. He had a terrible record, terrible past, and it wasn't religion. It was relationship that changed my dad. And so because he got saved, come on, because he got saved, statistically, when, in, when you're in my family, you go to jail multiple times or you end up there. You have multiple girlfriends on the side when you're married. Statistically, I should have ended up a hustler. I should have ended up a drug dealer. But because my dad found Jesus, my brother went to Bible school. My sister went to Bible school. I went... So, so this is me. I, this is not a show. This is not karaoke Sunday, let's play church. I don't want to do that. I'm over all that. My job, I feel like I'm on a mission to throw lighter fluid on some fires because I believe that some of you are one shout of praise from your victory, just one shout of praise from your breakthrough. I really believe it. So I met Pastor Jim, and he said, I want you to come to the church. And I said, well, what's the name of it? He said, the, the church. I said, yeah, but what's the name? Like, what is the, ch-? he's like, it's, the, it's just the church. I was like, man, I like it. Like, I like. And so he started telling me about it. Church looks like heaven. I was so excited. I don't travel anymore unless it's covenant, unless it's connected to a covenant relationship. One of my best friends on the planet is a guy named William McDowell. Uh, he's written some amazing worship songs. Uh, I give myself away. Y'all know that song? And so my, my friend William said that uh, a covenant relationship is one of the only spiritual commodities we have. He said you'll have acquaintances and friends and some high-maintenance friends, and then you'll have covenant relationship. And so this is covenant. Like you said, you know, I'm a stranger today, and uh, I didn't really appreciate that. Because I feel like family already. I might be like a weird cousin, but I'm family. Like <laughs> I'm that one cousin that shows up because there's free food, but I'm happy to be here. Listen, I believe that there's um, this, let me say it this way. I, I read, a, I read a, a poll that came out that said the, the decline right now in Americanized Christianity, in American churches, that's us. The two things, I talked to the worship team about this yesterday, the two things they say are in massive decline, have never rebounded and started going back up, but are declining, is passion and compassion. Passion for the things of God. See, I'm hungry for more of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. See, I've recognized through my journey uh, of being a worship pastor and being in full-time ministry that my praise is valuable. Man, that the devil hates my praise. I've discovered that when I shout, heaven begins to move and touch earth, and we get caught in between and miracles begin to happen. This is Bible. This isn't my opinion. And so as we've traveled and as we've, we, we've, we've gone around different churches, I've noticed the trend of passion declining. People are just not hungry anymore. Listen, if you're not passionate or hungry for the things of God, then something else is filling you up. It doesn't have to be a sin issue. It could be a busyness issue. It could be the managing of a machine of life issue. 
And I believe that passion has to come back to Americanized churches. I believe passion has to come back to the body of Christ where we wake up and we have an agenda that says, whatever you want me to say, do, lay hands on, pray over. God, I might work a job, but I believe that healing is in my hands. I believe that your word is on my lips. And if you'll use me, all I simply say is yes. That's why I love William's song. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. A lot of people can't say that because they don't really mean it. And I believe that this passion that's declining in Americanized church, it's devastating. And I believe if we're going to see the miracles, the breakthrough, the revival, this do y'all want to see this building packed full of people? Oh, Okay. Okay, so you're one of those preachers that just wants to see a packed building. No, I want to see a bunch of people that were once bound, set free, that once were broken, healed, and delivered. And then the second thing they say is in decline in Americanized churches, that's us, is compassion. They say people don't value people anymore. See, we have a statement in our church. I say, listen, you don't have to be the best looking. You don't have to be the most talented you don't have to have it all figured out. Paul said it's not with my enticing words of man's wisdom. It's the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Compassion is this. There you are, not here am I. A lot of times we walk in and it's like, I've arrived. How come it's not all laid out? I needed Israel shipped in towels with the tag still on them in the back and fancy water, not that deer park water that you got. We have such a me, myself, and I mentality. We live such a facade where you fight and you're angry and you, you have arguments with your wife and then you take a picture like, hashtag family goals. Like, what is this? <laughs> Compassion, the value of people. I love people. We have a statement at our church. I'm sure you guys have heard it. Or Pastor Jim's probably said it. But found people, find people. See, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so because I've been found and set free and delivered, I want to find other people that don't know Jesus. Listen, I need a little bit more enthusiasm than this. Come on. I didn't, I didn't tell this story in the first service, but I, I have I've been able to travel. Healing is here, the song that the team did such a great job. Give your team a hand, man. That was awesome. Um. The song Healing is Here came out of a really devastating storm. My wife and I started going through. I came back from a, a worship retreat, and my wife uh, began to have these weird symptoms. And we went in, and the doctor said, I think, you're, I think we're dealing with cancer. And, and listen, there was something that just, in those moments, you, you have two options. You can trust God or freak out. What comes out of you when you're squeezed is what's hidden inside of you. And I saw confidence. I saw hope and trust come out of my wife. And she said, yeah, well, the name of Jesus is bigger than the name cancer. And I'm like, that's good. And so we began to walk this thing out for 43 days, multiple tests, multiple doctors, multiple specialists. And on the 43rd day, man, in the middle of this, the Lord on day like 31 gave me this song, Healing is Here. And there was a prophetic word spoken over our ministry in my life that there would be a song that would go all over the world and that sand had been thrown in my wife's eyes. And sometimes we want to be delivered from the fire, but other times like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you've got to get delivered while you're inside of the fire. And so my wife was delivered out of the fire. And on the 43rd day, they looked at her and said, we don't understand what happened, but you do not have cancer. See, that's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And so this song has taken us all over, and I ended up going to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. 
And uh, we're doing a conference there, and they advertised us. I didn't tell this in the first service, but they advertised our team as the great American rock band. And so all these Honduran kids are like, let's go. Check out the great American rock band. And so we show up, man, they pull up in a bulletproof van, and they get out, and they've got M16s. They're like, in this way. And I felt like Justin Bieber. So they get us in the, in the van, and then they drive us to this really remote location, and they're like, you talk to nobody. And I was like, okay, I don't know what's, are you with the church? Like, because why are we in this vehicle right now? And so they said, we're going to pick you up at 6 o'clock. The service is at 7. They showed up at 8.15, Honduran time. They said, hey, man, everything, we just laid back. <laughs> and so they picked me up at 8.15, and a tropical storm had settled into that region. And it was 80-mile-an-hour winds, horrible weather. And I'm sitting there with my wife and our team. We'd flown in from the States. There's nine of us. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Because I'm used to Americanized Christianity, where if it rains a little bit, people walk out and say, oh, I'm not getting my hair wet. I'm going back inside. And then they go in, and I like to call it, they have underwear church. Joyce Meyer is their pastor on that Sunday. They just sit at home eating Cheetos, watching under. Come on. Just sitting there. Underwear church. I had a lady say, that's pretty ridiculous that you say underwear. So Snuggy church. Whatever you, door the Explorer, one-piece Snuggy. Whatever you would wear. And so I'm used to this. So we get picked up, and there's a lady, and I called her Pamela, but her name was Pamela. And she called me Bishop Grove. She said, Bishop, it's Pamela. And I said, it's spelled Pamela. She said, it's Pamela. And I was like, all right. And so we're driving, and I said, I said Pamela, um, is anybody going to be there? I didn't realize how loaded that question was. It's 80-mile-an-hour winds. The rain is so bad. The windshield wipers were like, I give up. Like, they're not even. And we're driving. She's driving like a bat out of Birmingham, like 100-mile-an-hour. And I'm like, Pamela, oh, my God. And she's driving. And I hear her go, and she turns. And I said, and my wife's like, what did you say to her? I was like, I just asked her if anybody was going to be there. And she looks back. And I'm like, watch the road, Pamela. And she's like, Lisa and Bishop. And I'm like, watch the road. And she says, I don't understand your question. And I said, I'm used to America, church, where people make 100 excuses, and the average national statistic of people that attend church are 1.5 times a month. 1.5 times. That means you show up one time, and then you walk in another time, you're like, man, not today. And you leave, like, one and a half, get free coffee and leave. Like, what is this? One and a half, it doesn't even make sense. And she said, I don't understand your question. And I, so I'm like trying to rephrase it. I'm like, will there be anybody there? <laughs> and she's weeping, like weeping. And she says, I don't understand because they have been there for days. And y'all, we pull up to this civic center downtown, uh, San Pedro Sula, 7,000, 8,000 seats. There was over 3,000 people huddled against the building for days just to try to get into a building where they heard that Jesus was going to be. With the pre- Six, I, preached, I preached that night. We did worship. I preached that night. 1,647 people gave their lives to the Lord in that one service. 1,647. We saw miracle after miracle. Man, we saw people come down with walkers, get healed, and just leave them. Like, I don't need it. Like, just... You can have it, pawn it. Like, we saw so many miracles in the middle of this thing, and I flew back to America like a man on fire. Like, I'm sick of the complacency. 
I'm sick of people being lazy Christians. God has done so much for you. He has healed and delivered, sets you free. And I got, a, I got a word for you today. I believe this, that some of you have been waiting and you've been praying and you say, listen, you don't know me. I prayed and I prayed and I've seen nothing. Listen, just because it's been delayed does not mean it's been denied. I believe this. God said those that wait upon the Lord, there will be new strength. I love that translation in the NIV. There will be new strength. How many of y'all need some new strength today? Some of you are one shout of praise. I'm telling you, one shout of praise of recognizing that there's value in your praise. That that lying devil and that foul spirit, everybody that runs with him, the spirit of fear, anxiety, suicide, depression, all of the spirits that run with him, the whole, the whole Wu-Tang clan of the devil's crew that runs with him, they begin to tremble when the children of God begin to shout. It's Bible. It's Bible. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says to rejoice in the Lord always. What's always mean? It means all the time. All the time. Well, I don't know. It's just my, my personality. I just, I don't, I'm not really a singer. Well, I got good news for you. And I got a Bible scripture to back it. This is not my opinion. John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus speaks these words. It's written in red letters. Jesus says this, a time is coming and now has come. That's today. When the true worshipers, that's you. How many of y'all are true worshipers? It says they'll begin to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, this is the good news. To worship the Lord in spirit and in truth has nothing to do with your ability to sing on key. That's really good news. It has nothing to do, man, we can hear you. Some of y'all don't realize that. We're singing, I reach my hands to the heavens. And some of y'all are like, I raise my eyes. And people around you are like, who, what is that? And you know what it has, God loves it. He loves it. He looks down and so proud of you. God's not mad at you. He's actually madly in love with you. And he looks down and says, that's my girl. That's my boy. Loves your worship. Listen, it has nothing, this verse has nothing to do with you being able to clap on beat. Every white person in the room should have said, bless the Lord. Like, that's just for the white people. No, it has nothing to do with your ability to clap on beat, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. What we just did and what we're going to do again in a moment, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth is a pure, innocent, authentic expression of your faith and trust that God I never should have made it I reach my hands because I know that the reward of worship is not blessings blessings is because I'm your kid I reach my hands because the reward of worship is you the reward of worship is your presence um, and I believe it because when my dad gave his life to the Lord not religious encounter not a religious experience but when he found Jesus everything changed Everything changed. He went from hustling and using and dealing and beating people up and cheating on my mom to now over 30 years later, he never has sipped another sip of alcohol. He's never done another drug. Come on, somebody. He stopped. Everything changed. So this is my complaint with this statistic because I believe, I believe it because I see it. I see it week in and week out. I see two people standing next to each other in the same service, and one person's like, man, I didn't feel anything. And the person here is like, this was my day. Like they mark it on the calendar as their testimony moment. Well, why is that? Well, this person here is a spectator. There's two types of people that walk into a room like this. You walk in as a spectator like, well, what's in it for me? Let's see if this music really fits my style. Let's see if Pastor Jim really brought a word from the Lord for me. And you come in as a spectator. Listen, spectator, a spe you can have an experience like a spectator sort of experience at a movie. 
You can have, listen, I had an ex, a spectator experience over a pint of Chunky Monkey ice cream by Ben and Jerry the other night. And I, my wife's like, they're not supposed to eat that in one setting. I'm like, it's one serving. Like, it's just, there's manna in there and bananas. And, but another person that comes into a room like this is a person who comes in with expectation. My friend Israel Houghton says it like this, the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. And so when you come in as a spectator, you leave the same way you came in. Because you were here almost like just a scratch uh, check mark off of a box that said, went to church. I even threw a little bit in that little offering box. I hope God blesses me now. Another person comes in with expectation and says, I'm desperate. I'm hungry. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I need God to show up. And then your praise and how you respond, your praise actually is contagious to other people. So when you worship, when you shout, when you declare, when you praise, other people around you are affected because there's people's lives attached to your destiny. And so when you come in as a spectator, you're not only ripping yourself off, but you're actually ripping off others around you. Come on, somebody. I believe it. So how do I, how do I take uh, the spectator out of my, 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 my thoughts and my heart and, and step into more of expectation? I was at my, uh, my father-in-law's place. So um, my wife and I went to Illinois. That's where she's from. And uh, we went and we were, I was standing out back. He lives out in the middle of nowhere, like the country. Uh, and I was standing out there and I looked next door. And man, this, this guy next door had the nicest garden I think I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm not like a garden enthusiast. Like I don't read gardening magazine. Like I don't know who does, but somebody. And, and so I'm looking and I'm like, man, that's a really nice garden. So I get a little bit closer, and I'm like, that's just shockingly nice. So he comes out, and he's just like, mm -hmm. he's got like his gardening gloves on. And I said, bro, you got a really nice garden. I know that's a very weird thing for me to say, man to man, but you have a very enchanting garden. <laughs> and he said, yeah, man, I work really hard on it. And I said, well, what's your secret? He goes, I weed every day. And I said, you have to pull weeds out every day? And this is what he said. Now listen, somebody, this, somebody's going to grab this. He said, no, but I check every day because I know that if I don't get those weeds out, it's going to smother the good fruit. So across the street, same sun, same weather, same rain, the, wor the worst garden I've ever seen. Like Guinness Book of World Records, the most terrible garden ever. Like hashtag worst garden I've ever. And I, I walk over and I said, what's up with that guy's weird garden? And he goes, he never checks. He shows up, everything's rotting, he grabs a random cucumber, he never weeds. And man, I felt the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, speak to me. John 14, 26 says that before Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left the Holy Spirit here as our helper who helps. I felt the help of the helper, man, that the Lord said, you need to encourage people to start checking and weeding every day. Because it will smother out your praise. It'll smother out your praise. You'll walk in because your bills are stacking up. You'll walk in because the doctors tried to give you a diagnosis. You'll walk in, and if you're not in there weeding every single day and getting that mess out, it will smother the fruit and the value of your praise. Thank you again for your overwhelming enthusiasm. Blah, blah, blah. I mean it. So every day I do it. Oh, so you're saying that you're not ever going through something? You're just so perfect with your skinny pants? I don't know what this imitation is. It's like a Kentucky guy. No, I, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, he said, you're going to go through stuff. But take heart 
because I've overcome the world. Every day when I have an opportunity, it's a privilege, y'all, to be in this house right now. It's a privilege to worship the Lord, to be able to lift our hands, to be able to sing. Listen, with no fear that somebody's going to run up in here like an underground church in China and take our kids or our family away. Y'all have air conditioning? Thank God for air conditioning. My, somebody should have shouted, ran, like something. Like You have air conditioning. You have an incredible, incredible church, a life-giving church that you're called to. And so why wouldn't you weed and, and, and remove the things that could be a distraction so that when you show up on a Sunday, listen, I want to just let all that go. First Peter 5, verse 6 says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and it says he'll lift you up. Verse 7 of 1 Peter 5, if you're a student of the Bible, you know it. It says to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. See, our job is to get in a position of expectation, to let him be God because he's big enough and strong enough to handle anything you've ever walked through or could walk through. Another declaration of your life. I felt this. I wrote it in my notes last night. Some of you have been bound. Some of you have been frustrated. And I feel like that you need to hear this today, that hell can't stop what heaven has started in you. I believe that. And if you, listen, I believe it. Hell cannot stop what heaven has started in you. But your job is to position yourself with expectation. Because I go to a lot of churches where the music is all gifting. And the crowd is sitting out there, and they're confusing it for the anointing, and all it is is gift. It's just a bunch of people singing, banging pots. Outside of the anointing, this was just a waste of time. But under the anointing of God, you could walk in here with a diagnosis, and God can touch you and reverse that diagnosis. And the next time you go back to the doctor, everything has changed. So listen, I feel this. I feel this with all my heart, that this is part of my mission, my mandate as we've traveled to different churches, because there is fire here. There's passion here. I believe that God has put a vision in your pastor's hearts. How many, this is your church? Wave at me. Like, this is your church. Like, God has changed you, transformed you, Download. Like, thank God, when churches are closing by the thousands, you had some leaders that said, we'll go to Rosenberg, we'll plant a church that helps that pushes back against the kingdom of darkness and does some serious damage to what the enemy's been trying to do there. Let's, come on. And so if this is your church, if this is where you're called, then, 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 then we cannot allow the statistics of passion and compassion declining in our lives. I say that we don't allow it here at the church. I say that that status. I pray that a day comes, Pastor Jim. Now, it's a little difficult, but Honduran is very similar to weather. It's, it's very similar weather to here. Uh, it mimics hell. Like, it's very hot. <laughs> like, I had to put deodorant behind my knees today. Like, there's no reason for that. I'm like, I don't know why, but oh, God. Why am I sweating there? I believe, Pastor Jim, that a time is going to come when y'all can put billboards up. You can do mailers. That's fine but that we don't have to do gimmicks and entertainment or event-driven anything. We can just say, hey, Jesus is going to be at the church, and there's people waiting outside, people gathering against the building, people so passionate and hungry. But listen, you know who that starts with? It's real, it's real easy to just hashtag I clapped, but are you the one that helps initiate that? But now I'm not saying you got to sit people like, you're lying, that's the devil. I ain't standing outside 110 degrees. 
No, but I believe a time is going to be coming when people actually show up 15, 20 minutes early just to get a seat because there's such a move of God and miracles happening. In that. Listen, nobody even has to touch you. Healing is here. God can transform and touch you right now. I believe it. But I want you to know that your praise is valuable. I want you to know the impact you make in the atmosphere. The Bible says the spirit realm is even more real than the realm we live in. In Joshua chapter 6, all the way if you skip through the whole story, a lot of you know the story, but in Joshua 6, Joshua, man under the authority of God, gathered all these army guys, and they're going to go take the city of Jericho. He's got this army, and then he's got these guys in their priestly robes, and they're carrying horns. And so he's like, listen, we're going to march around, uh, but you can't say anything. They're like, and then what? We're never going to knock the walls down? No, we're just going to, we're not going to say nothing. He's going to walk. And then what? We're going to throw big boulders? No, you're just going to walk. Does anybody know this story? And so they, walked, they marched. Every day, they just walked around the building. Well, on the seventh day, I'm skipping ahead because of the sake of time on the seventh day, they didn't go around the city. Y'all, we're not talking about a building. We're not talking about the school. Like, I can rally maybe 60, 70 of you right now to say, come on, stand up. We're going to march around the building. It's just a, a building. They, walk, they walked around a city. Not once or twice or three or four or five or six, but seven times they went around this city. Joshua said, don't say anything. A man under authority. Listen, in the natural, this whole story is really stupid. So then what? We're going to yell? And then what? Like, that's not going to do anything. See, the cool thing about the presence of God is when heaven begins to move and the breath of God begins to breathe, when we begin to release our praise, the atmosphere begins to shift. Miracles begin to happen. Breakthrough begins to happen. You may not see it in the natural, but in people's lives and physical bodies and emotions and hearts and marriages and in their families, transformation is happening. So they march around seven times and they get Joshua, man under the authority, turns because under the authority of God, the Lord spoke to him, said, command the priest to blow their horns. So he's like, blow your horns. I'm like, they start blowing their, and then he turns to the army and it says he commanded them, now shout. And when they begin to shout, what happened? The walls begin to fall. Everything that God had promised them. See, in the natural, the whole thing was a pretty stupid deal. But when they positioned themselves in expectation, super the supernatural touch of God's presence from heaven began to invade earth, and they got caught in between, and the super met the natural, and the supernatural happened. And see, see, the people on the other side, these idiots are just yelling. What they didn't realize was all of heaven was rejoicing with them. And as they were rejoicing, come on, as they were rejoicing, the walls begin to fall. Some of you are one shout of praise away from your victory. Your breakthrough. Some of you are about to occupy the very area and territory that hell's been trying to keep you out of. I believe this. I told our, our church, I said, listen, the next time the doctor tells you something, you say, I, I appreciate your professionalism. And you go out in your car and you begin to shout. You begin to worship. You begin to praise. You begin to say, God, just like you showed up. Come on. Just like you showed up for King David in 1 Chronicles 14.11. And you scattered his enemy. 1 Chronicles 14.11. Go read it today. He was outnumbered five to one, Bible theologians say, by the Philistines. He began to shout. They began to rejoice. They began to call upon the name of the Lord. And he said a mighty rushing wave from the presence of God swept in and scattered his enemies. He named that moment Baal Perazim. And in the Hebrew, it means the God of the breakthrough. Great story, Pastor Daniel. 
awesome. How's it apply to me? Because the same God of the breakthrough that showed up for David is the same God of the breakthrough that will show up for you. Absolutely. So this is what I want to do. I want to stand on our feet. I'm going to have the team come back out. And I want to do some weeding. There's some things in your life that has been smothering out your praise. Maybe it's a personality issue. Well, I'm an introvert. Well, you can't find a verse to back that, so stop with all that. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Listen, if you're going to go through it, this is our statement at our church. If I'm going to go through it, then I'm choosing to grow through it. If I'm going to go through it, then I'm going to grow through it because I believe with all my heart that as I begin to shout, as I begin to rejoice, as I begin to praise, I believe that heaven moves. And I believe the touch of God begins to move in my family. When my wife, listen, and then I went, I went back. The day my wife was healed, delivered, and all that, all that stuff was resolved, I, I had a moment where I stopped and said, wow. God, you've done so much. Like if Jesus never did anything else but hang on that cross for us, it was enough. But John 10, 10 says that he came to give you life and life more abundantly. Come on, somebody play behind me. Do spirit breakout. And so I believe with all my heart, I believe with all my heart, that if you will take yourself from the position of spectator to expectation. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, if you're a student of the Bible, you know this story. A woman had an issue of blood. She was dying. They considered her unclean. She had no friends, no family. The doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. For 12 years, she was dying. I'm not going to go into all the medical terminology, but she was bleeding. And Jesus comes walking by, and there's a multitude following him. And everywhere he was going, people were getting healed. And she's over here sitting and watching this. And out of her place of desperation, it says that she got up, and begin to move. And when she began to move, she fought her way through the crowd and began to tug on the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus turns to his disciples and said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Like, Because Peter was, he had a little bit of ghetto. He's a little hood. Like, everybody's touching you, Peter. Say, everybody's touching you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I felt power leave my body. I felt power leave. And he turns and this woman who was broken and devastated and dying, he says, because of your great faith, you have been made whole. Now listen. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We never heard from her again. She went from broken to beautiful. Got up, healed, walked in fighting her way through the crowd, walked out like this. Like, Totally healed, totally set free, totally delivered. Now listen, in modern Christianity, Pastor Jim, I believe this with all my heart. In modern days, if Jesus walked into a building, the, the everyday Christian would be like, Hey, can't you come over here to me? It's not convenient for me to shout. It's not convenient for me to move. It's not convenient for me to step out of my comfort zone and sing a song that I don't know. That's the modern Christian version. See, this lady's life depended on it. Some of you, your breakthrough depends upon it. Stepping out, it, I'm not saying you need to come down and start tugging on my shirt. Don't touch me. I'll pepper spray you. Like I'll just... But I do want you to step out of your comfort zone of spectator to expectation. This is a game changer. It's a game changer. Listen, I asked the question in the first service, and I'm going to ask it to you too. 
Psalms 100 verse 1. I'm going to give you some verses first so you don't think it's just my opinion. Psalms 100 verse 1 says, Shout for joy all the earth. All the earth is you. Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So shout for joy. Shout for your strength. Shout for your marriage. Shout for your destiny. Shout for your babies and your future. Come on, shout for that breakthrough. And this is what it's saying. And then it says, rejoice, Philippians 4, verse 4, in the Lord always. And so I just feel like we need to do that a little bit. Can we do that for like just a couple minutes? So do this with me. Shake it off. Come on. Shake off the bills that are due. Shake off the diagnosis. Shake off the, the drama that Mondays typically bring for some of you. And listen, stop speaking curses over your life. Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death is in the power of your tongue. I need you to start saying this. I'm an overcomer. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. And When I wrote the bridge of healing is here, that sickness can't stay any longer. I wrote it around two verses. Job 22.28 says, I'll decree a thing and it shall be established. And Proverbs 18.21, that life and death in the power of my tongue. Some of you need to release your praise because there's power in your praise. There's traction in your praise. Some of you have been stuck in a rut like an 83 Honda. Ring! And God's about to bring you up out of that rut. So come on with our hands lifted. I'm going to ask you this loaded question. And if you're a spectator, you don't have to respond. I'm okay with it. But Pastor Jim told me to treat this like it was my church, so. But with expectation, here's the question. If your miracle, if your breakthrough, the very thing you've been believing God most for, completely depended upon your next shout of praise, how would you respond? He got it. He got it. She got it. I'm going to ask you one more time. If your miracle, not my opinion, but the Bible, 1 Chronicles 14, 11, King David moment, God of the breakthrough, breathing, Joshua 6 moment, Acts 16 with Paul and Silas in the dungeon, they could have freaked out, but they begin to praise. When they begin to praise, God sent an earthquake and broke them free. If your miracle... Your victory, your breakthrough, the very thing you've been believing God most for depended upon your next shot of praise. Come on, somebody. How would you respond? Now listen, that shot of praise feels a whole lot better than being depressed. So come on, I want to lead you into this song right now. It goes like this. Spirit break out. Oh, 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 break our walls down. Spirit, break out, spirit, break out, spirit, break out. I need more of this. Have it come down. Say, have it come down. Spirit, break out. Say, spirit, break out. Break our walls down, Spirit, break out, Spirit, break out, heaven come down, heaven come, heaven come down. Now listen to this, our Father said, 
our Father. All of heaven rose your name. Sing louder. Listen. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. Heaven touching earth. King Jesus. King Jesus. You're the name we're lifting high. Your glory. The earth and sky. Revival. We want to see your kingdom here. See your kingdom here. Oh, oh, oh. Spirit break out. Oh, oh, oh. Break out. Come on, I want to hear you say it. Come on with boldness. Spirit break out. Say. Heaven come down. Heaven, spirit break out, spirit break, spirit break out, oh, oh, oh. heaven, spirit break, spirit break, spirit break, break out, heaven come, heaven come, oh, heaven come. The sound of heaven touching earth. Oh, oh, the sound of heaven touching. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? The sound of touching earth. Oh, 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 the sound of heaven touching. Now, come on, right now, begin to release your praise, begin to release your worship. Come on right now, just tell him, say, you are worthy. You are high and lifted up. You are good. You are faithful. You are always on time. You have never left me. You have never forsaken me. God, I thank you that where there is your presence, if you're in it, then I believe, God, that it's not over. So come on, I want you to begin to just worship. The sound of heaven touching you. Oh, because oh, oh. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. So I will worship. So I will worship. Spirit break out. Break our walls down. Oh. Spirit, break out. Heaven come down. Heaven come down. Listen, it starts with us. That revival fire, that passion, that value, that compassion. Listen, the presence of God, the healer, our deliverer, our refuge, our strength. Everything you need is found in his presence. Courage in his presence. Boldness, perseverance, clarity, wisdom, direction, healing, joy, help, 
comfort, peace, hope. It's all, it's all found in His presence. So the moments we have here as a church in worship and flowing, singing and rejoicing, whether it's 10 minutes, 15, 20, whatever it is, it should be an overflow of your worship and your praise that you already do on your own. That you already do on your own. See, when I walk up here to lead you, this is not me doing it off the cuff. It's an expression, an overflow of my time already with Jesus. Jesus said, you have to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he said, then you need to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love if you don't receive his love first yourself. Because you can't take somebody to a place that you haven't been yourself. So I can say, hey man, I love you. Because I first received the love myself. And it's the overflow of that passion, compassion, and the overflow of my worship and my praise and my time with Jesus that can say, I got your back. I'm proud of you. I love you. There's a purpose. There's a plan. What can I do to help equip and help you get to where you're... There's a passion that says, I love you and people matter. And because people matter to God, they matter to us. And so every time, say every time, every time you have an opportunity to be in the presence of the living God, whether it's on your own, a small group, or a time where we're in corporate worship, sing, worship, shout, praise. Let your praise be heard because your praise is valuable. Your praise is contagious and there's power in your praise. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, maybe you're a first time guest and this whole thing has been like, I just don't even know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. Listen, this is authentic. We're not faking this. We're not playing church. We know that people's lives and souls and destinies are on the line. I've seen over 35,000 people give their lives to the Lord and worship experiences all over the country that I've been able to be a part of. But if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Daniel, I don't know Jesus. Listen, it's not religion. It's relationship. I quoted this earlier. Amen. You can clap. I quoted this earlier, that God's not mad at you. He's actually madly in love with you. Some of you are duct taped, glued, decoupage. (laughs) Just kind of hodgepodge back together. And he'll take you in this current state that you're in. He'll meet you where you're at. He's a father to the fatherless. Hope and peace to the restless. He'll meet you where you're at, and he'll transform and make you beautiful. I believe it with all my heart. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Daniel, I don't know Jesus like you're talking about. I don't know him with that passion and that compassion, that excitement that, it, that, you, that you're talking about. I, I don't know him like that. You can. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you speak with your mouth, we don't just pray a prayer for symbolic reasons. We declare it. We're speaking it. If you speak with your mouth and you declare and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you lay down an abandoned 
your issues and your mistakes. John chapter 3, verse 30 says, I need you to increase as I decrease. When you decrease and get out of the way, he can increase in your life and change and transform you. So when you confess it and believe it and receive it, your whole life will be changed. I believe it. I believe that nicotine and alcoholism and pornography and sexual problems, I believe that generational curses and things that have been on your life for a long time will be completely and totally broken off of you because of the power of the name of Jesus. So if you need Jesus as your Savior, I want you to wave at me really quickly. You say, Pastor Daniel, I want to know Jesus. I appreciate that. Look at all the hands popping up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over the building. Thank you back there. Everything's about to change. Thanks, man. You came here on purpose. With all the other options, you came here not because of chance or accident. You came here because today is about to become the greatest moment. Listen, the rest of your days, I believe this, the rest of your days are the best of your days. God has so much in store for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he has an incredible plan and picture, a purpose. You might have been born an accident like me, but man, look what God has done. And look what he'll do. My mom was hit by a drunk driver, almost killed her and me when she was pregnant. She fell down a flight of stairs, broke part of her back, almost lost me in her womb. See, the enemy was gunning for me before I had a voice to speak. Now, now I look in the mirror. This is what I say every day. I look in the mirror. This morning in my hotel, 6 this morning, I looked in the mirror and I said, hey, devil, you're going to get tired before I do because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I believe it. So if you just lifted your hand and you said, I need to know Jesus, I want everybody in the room, including everybody on this stage, I want everybody to say this, not again as a symbolic thing, but as a declaration, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Speak this with me. Say, Jesus, here I am surrendering everything. I've been living for me and it hasn't worked. I want to live for you. I surrender every mistake. I lay everything at your feet. I abandon it all to live for you. So make me clean, fix my heart, and I'll live for you the rest of my days. I call you my Savior, my Father, and my Lord. Now come on, if you prayed that prayer with everybody around you, would you begin to just shout, give them a shout. church and we're going to see revival in these parts. I told Pastor Jim, I turned around and I said, this whole building is going to be packed. And I don't mean one service, I mean every service where people are hungry and passionate and excited. I see it. And this isn't a, this isn't a script. This isn't a script that I do at every church. I really see it. I see promotion on this church. I see increase happening on this church. And I see a revival anointing where people walk in and while the video slides are happening, miracles start happening in their bodies, and the worship team starts, and people begin to get healed. Do y'all really want to see that? Do you want to see a manifestation of God's presence? So come on, give him one more shout of praise. Praise.